beginning. Hello, somebody. Today I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture that I hope will lead, leave us with a moment to remember the course we've been on. And so in John chapter 11, the Bible says, Now a certain man was ill. Not just any man in the Scripture. Not He's a certain man. Uh, obviously we know he's a friend of Jesus. And anybody that is a friend of, of the Lord, hello somebody, is, is special. You friend of Jesus in this place? Come on. And Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha's sister. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Come on, church. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, look at verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, My friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. And the disciples said unto him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking a rest. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin and said to his fellow disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in a tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come and Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him. But Mary remained seated in the house. I, I just think she ain't happy with Jesus. Don't. Don't feel no way about that. Because if you're honest in this room, there's been moments when you ain't been happy with Jesus. Don't feel no way about that. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. And she said, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When Jesus had said this, he went and called her sister Mary, who he had to know wasn't very happy with him. Why? Why? Because of the next three words in your Bible. Watch this. Saying in private. Do you know there's some things Jesus wants to speak to you in private? 
There's some things in your heart that he knows that you're struggling with, that you're offended over, or that maybe you're victimized by. There's some times in your life where maybe you're not so happy with who he is and what he's decided to do. Jesus doesn't want to rebuke you in public. Jesus doesn't want to embarrass you in public. He doesn't want to further victimize you. He wants to say some things to you and ain't nobody else listening. Tell me who heard what Jesus is about to say. Jesus and Mary. Come on. When Jesus had said this, she went, called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here. Jesus is here. Her sister is here. We want to talk about what's going on in her heart. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went on to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but still there in the place where Martha met him. And so I would, I would, there's this thing that happens to us. When the Jews went with her in the house, consoling her, so Mary rose quickly and followed him, supposing she would go to the tomb where he was. Now when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and grieved greatly. And he said, where, where have you laid him? Come and see. Jesus wept. Come on. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said, Martha the sister, the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor. For he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you'd see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. That you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said on this account. For the people standing around. Now they've drawn a crowd. That they may believe. You sent me. Come on church. And when they had said these things. He cried out loud. Lazarus come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet were, were, were bound in linen. His face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Have you ever looked at a situation in your life? And that situation screams at you. Done. The end. You ever looked at a situation in your life where that situation screams at you and says, just give up. It's got done written all over it. It's got the end written all over it. It's, it's got just get up, give up written all over it. And I think if everyone is honest, we all have at least been that place one time. And maybe some of us in the room are there right now. Something that just shouted at us, just give up, just quit. It's the end. 
And I believe that the devil thrives on our pain. I believe that he thrives on our fear. I believe that the devil thrives on our confusion. I believe he thrives on our frustration. But I also believe that God specializes in taking the worst things in our lives, the things that tell us just give up, just quit, forget about it. You're not worthy. Just get over it. This is your law in life. I think the Lord specializes in taking those things and making them doorways to the glory of his name in our life. I believe that. I just also know that we don't always find the door. And sometimes when we find the door, we don't always open the door. Because we have learned to live in victimhood. And therefore, everything victimizes us. And every situation screams at us, just give up. The battles, the struggles, the warfare that you and I experience in this world today, they're not even about us. You read the whole book of Job, it's not even about Job. It's about the Lord demonstrating to Satan why Satan can't be the Lord. It's not, it's not even about Job. Satan says, hey, or God, it was actually, it was God who said to Satan, you, you, uh, you ever thought about messing with Job? Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest, that ain't fair. That ain't fair at all. And Satan says, you know I can't mess with him. You got a hedge around him. How did Satan know that? Because he already tried. And you know what God said? Mess with him. Anything but his life. And watch what happens. You see, Satan, men worship you because of what you give them. Men worship me because we have a relationship. And our relationship doesn't lessen just because men don't have things. That's why Job is the character. It's not even about Job. See, sometimes what you're going through might not even be about you. Not as much as you think it is. What if what you're going through is really about the glory of God? The battle's over heart of men. Who will you worship? Come on, church. Who will you serve? Because, see, who you serve is who you worship. If you serve the Lord, that's who you worship. If you serve yourself, come on, somebody. No wonder you live victimized. It's no wonder everything offends you. Victimhood, it doesn't demand your devotion or intentionality. Worship does. See, fear, doubt, worry, confusion, resentment, criticism, hate, jealousy, bitterness, hopelessness, they're all symptoms of victimhood. Y'all not helping me this morning. Maybe, I don't know. Any reaction that you have outside of intentionally worshiping God, the devil will use to convince you you're a victim. So he comes to create circumstances. He comes to produce feelings of victimization. And when we look at this story, 
There's some parts that maybe we've never seen before. But we see what victimhood really looks like. The end. We see what victimhood really looks like. Hopelessness. We see what victimhood really looks like. Terminal illness. So forget about it. Mary and Martha watched their brother get sick. They watched him get weaker and weaker and weaker every day. They watched the life drain out of his body. And as his sickness worsened, their hope slipped away. Come on, church. But they had one last hope, one last chance for victory. One last chance, one last hope for victory. It's it's right there, right? Send for Jesus. He can heal him. Send for Jesus. He can heal him. He can stop the plague of death that's victimizing Lazarus and us. So they sent for him, but he didn't come. Let's be honest. We've all been in the same situation. And some of you are there right now. You cried out. And Jesus hadn't showed up yet. You've been praying. You've been believing for change. And all that's happened is everything's gotten worse. You've been victimized because Jesus hadn't showed up. He hasn't come through for you. And, And I will admit, here's where the story causes some confusion. Jesus has gotten their message. He knows Lazarus, his friend, is ill. He knows that all their hopes are that he will come to Lazarus. But he waits deliberately until he dies. Can I say this? One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is the shortest scripture in the Bible. It's in this chapter, Jesus wept. Your pain and your struggle and your sorrow are not missed by the Lord. Your sickness, struggle, your prodigals, your prayers your disappointments, your failures, your your inability to break through and get over and and, and find victory. All of those things, not missed on the Lord. It's not missed on the Lord. And I actually believe that because God moves in our lives in such a way that the Lord himself believes that what's happening is for the glory of God. And he understands that that may cause us To struggle, and I believe that breaks his heart as well. When you feel like the Lord hasn't shown up, you're disconnected from the heart of the Lord because you're offended and you can't see that He does actually have compassion. And I think that in Jesus, his humanity, I think his humanity shows that he wanted to rush to Lazarus the moment he heard he was sick. So why the delay? For the glory of God. 
Jesus had kept him from dying, so many would have said, hey, he wasn't really sick. He just recovered. It's just coincidental. Here's something we rarely recognize. When we're crying out for a miracle, when we're, when we're crying out for a healing, when we're crying out for a breakthrough, when we're crying out for restoration, when we're crying out for deliverance, when we're crying out for, for attention, our intensity, our focus, it's all centered around that particular need. And we assume that since that is what has our attention, that that's what God also needs to focus on. I'm going I'm to I'm gonna need you to press into that thought. Of course God cares about you. Of course God feels your pain and your sorrow. Hold on, we're going to experience a little turbulence here. But God's ultimate desire for our life is to grow us up. God's ultimate desire is to reveal himself more fully to us. His his ultimate desire is to mature our faith. It's to be glorified in our life. We think God's completely occupied with meeting our need because that's what we want. But God is more committed to growing our faith and our confidence in Him. Can you prove that, Pastor? Yep. Jesus could have arrived before Lazarus died and healed him. Why didn't He? Because glory was the issue. Wouldn't read, wouldn't, wouldn't. wouldn't healing be something that would bring God glory? Can I say this to you? Jesus wasn't after healing. If Jesus was simply after healing, he could have did the same thing he did with a centurion slave. He didn't have to go. Done. Come on, church. He was after the focus of their heart. Mary and Martha, both. We believe you can heal him. That's what they said. That's good. But here's the problem. When Lazarus died, so did their faith. When Lazarus died, so did their faith because they were only interested in what they wanted. See, their faith was only as good to them as their benefit. They're only interested in not being a victim. And so Jesus deliberately waits for two days. It's a glimpse of what is happening when you pray, when I pray, and we don't see change. It's something it feels like God isn't even listening. But he is. I said, but he is. 
He waits for Lazarus to die. To challenge victimhood. When Lazarus died, they turned the switch off to victory. It's over. It's finished. I don't believe anymore. Sure, he's going to raise in the resurrection with everybody else, but I, I don't believe anymore. They rolled a stone over the door. The stone that was just not a boulder blocking the door of Lazarus' tomb. That stone was a victimhood gravestone that said, Here lies the victory of Mary and Martha. It died on this date. That stone said, we believed up to this point. But our faith ended right here. Y'all not. See, so, some people, you know why you're quiet this morning? You know why you're soaking this in? Because see, you're, many of us, many of us are, are at that point right now. We're at that point right now. We are standing looking at the gravestone of the death of our victory. And this is where it died. I was hurt. I was offended. I got broken. I made some mistakes. I failed God. I failed my family. I got fired from work. I got this terminal disease. I've got depression and anxiety. You're standing there staring at the stone, the gravestone of your victory. That is where your faith has died. It's over. And I have met many people in the cemetery where their faith is buried. And you know why? Because people met me in mine. Time and time and time again. But they would challenge me. Why are you looking at that stone? Why is that the end of your faith? Why does that have to be the end of the story? What if? What if there's something greater? What if there's something greater? What if there's some glory from God around the corner that you can't see because you got too much dirt heaped on top of your victory? You done dug a grave for something God ain't done with. You done buried it. You buried something God ain't done with. Because there's no coming back from that. It's too dead. It's too dead. It's too dead. Ain't no coming back from that. I made too big a mistake. There ain't no coming back from that. The doctors have said, ain't no coming back from that. Ain't no coming back from that. Ain't, it's too dead. It's too dead. We can't believe we can't have faith for that. Anthony and Kelsey Williamson, their doctor said, Blake's never going to walk. He's never going to walk. It's, it's, it's body, it's too dead. This illness is too big. It's too dead. Just, just listen, just get prepared for a life of what this looks like. And they tried to explain it. They put dirt on top of victory. They just piled it on. And you know what? In your mind, sometimes you're so tired. You're so exhausted. You done been through it over and over again. And you just willing, yep, that's it. Let's just have the funeral and be done with that. But this week, a pastor stood up, and he said every man in the Old Testament was required, required to be in the front row. 
he was required to be in the front row. Wasn't no men allowed to sit in the back. They were required to sit in the front. And he said, some of you men ain't doing what's required. And that's why you ain't speaking. You ought to be up front with your kids. You ought to be up front with your wife. You ought to be up front with your wife and your family. You ought to be up front with your hands lifted up, believing God can do what everybody else said was dead. And this morning, I watched a father. I watched a father. Y'all didn't see it because you wouldn't look it. You wasn't watching what was right before your eyes. I watched a father bring his son all by himself to an altar where God said or the doctor said that boy was never going to walk and he's worshiping God he puts his boy down and the first place that boy that could not walk ran to was the altar (laughs) no 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 calm down it's too dead See, somebody else buried their son. Somebody else put a gravestone. Martha and Mary did. They weren't strong enough to roll no stone in front of the grave. Somebody else rolled that stone in front of there. But they had to settle for it because they buried their faith behind it. None of that was in my heart, so I'm sorry. Watch, watch this. When Jesus came, they didn't rush to meet him as victors. One of them says, hey, I ain't even going. I ain't even going. And the other one that went, you know what she met him as? A victim. And you know how I know that? Because she scolded Jesus. It's your fault. That is the first thing a victim does is blame everybody else. It's your fault. You know what victims like to do? Not take ownership. This is supposed to be the end of the sermon. It's supposed to be a happy one. But I'm like you. Man, somebody hurts my feelings, something goes wrong or whatever. I don't, it's somebody. Who, who is to blame? Now, let's be fair about it. If you believed someone could heal you or deliver you or give you a miracle, but they didn't, well, it's your attitude. Here's my point. We have all felt victimized at one time or another that God didn't come through when or how we wanted him to. I prayed for my spouse. They still misbehaving. I prayed for my kids and I've stood in front of the Lord and said, Lord, why could we not cast the devil out? Some of these only come out by prayer and fasting. I prayed for my own life that I would stop the foolishness. Somehow I always find my hand right back on it. Why does God keep me from this? 
follow me, follow me. If all Jesus was after in our lives was to perform miracles, he'd just say, take me to the grave. And he'd raise the dead. That's not what he did immediately. It's not. And I know this concept. And I know this idea, this thought process, maybe this whole series that I'm sharing with you is, is, is a little hard to swallow. But you gotta get the revelation, and we, we gotta just we gotta embrace this thing in our spirit that if we're gonna be victors and not victims, that God's ultimate reason for anything that happens in our life is for his glory. That means when he does it, it's for his glory. That means how he does it, it's for his glory. That means who he does it with, it's for his glory. That means if he doesn't do it at all, it's for his glory. Everything is determined and decided by the decree of the glory that it will bring the Father. My victory, your victory, our victory. It has everything to do with the glory of God. If God leaves me as a victim, it robs him of glory. And so he must deal with the idea of victimhood in my mind. And in my heart, well before he gives me anything that I want. Lazarus is dead. Your dream is dead. What you long for in your life, it feels dead. And what you want Jesus to do is deal with the dead stuff. But he wants to deal with faith. He wants to deal with why you buried it in the first place. Okay, Mary, Martha. If you believe, you'll see. Doesn't he know it's over? Why does he say that? Because they need a victory faith and not a victimhood complex. The first resurrection that day was Mary and Martha's faith. (laughs) And that's why Jesus got to have some conversations with you sometime. And he uses people sometimes to say, hey, hey, come over here. Let's have a conversation. You may be standing in the same place where Mary Martha was. The end. Hopeless. It's over. Just quit. Why try again? It could be that your marriage is hanging by a thread. Headed for the rocks. There might not even be one spark left. And everything you're feeling... Everything you're not feeling is over. Maybe, maybe the relationship between you and your children. Maybe everything that's going through, it's over. It can't be restored. 
It could be that sickness that rules over you every day. Everything is just saying, give up, pull the plug, it's over, end of story. It could be that financial struggle where you feel like you are sunk and there's no way out. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? We've all been there. You ever watch that show, Emergency? Yeah, you ever watch it? Seth, you watch it some, probably at the fire department, right? Seth, Seth's a firefighter. And anyway, I love it. This weekend, Seth got Doug Schwartz this weekend. Some of y'all know what that means. I didn't tell nothing to Doug about either one of my buddies that came up from Florida and say, I don't give him no details. Just, hey, my buddies are here. And man, uh, they're great guys, and they love Jesus, and I, I, you know, I love them. I love their families, and man, we're excited, you know. So, one of our services, Doug walks over to Seth, and he starts to do the, you know what I'm saying. Y'all been there. Don't act like you don't know when Doug turns the corner and walks down the aisle towards you. You're like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. And there Doug shows up. But also don't act like you don't believe that everything he says to you, God don't hit you on the head. Because see, he ain't got no other motives other than for God to speak. He walks up to Seth and he just goes, I don't know why, but God just showed me that you're like a fireman running into a fire. And you're a warrior. God is blessed. Three months earlier, uh, Jeremy had prayed for, for Seth. Hey, I just got to say, and you're the warrior, right? And, and so he's a fireman. Doug didn't know that, right? And, and that's what he does. And so Seth's sitting one over, and he's like, what just happened? He's looking at me. Like, did you tell him I was a fireman? I was like, nope, you just got Doug Schwartz. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You are a member in good standing now. <laughs> you see, some of you have lost it. You've given up. You don't. Lazarus is dead. It could be. It could be. It could be. You're standing in front of a gravestone looking at your dream. What is it? What is it? Many of you here right now. The devil's using victorhood to paint a picture of hopelessness in your life. Why did Eldon lose his leg on the way to teach Bible memory? Why did a founding member of this church suffer? Why? Where was Jesus? Where was he? Why didn't he keep that from happening? It's so simple. Just stop it. St- Hello, somebody. Why? Why did the Lord allow that to happen? You see, we could live in our frustration with Jesus in that moment. Hello, somebody. Why, why, why did the Lord allow Dwayne, come on, to go through COVID like that? Why did the Lord allow my loved one to die and Dwayne to live? And maybe every time you see him, you ain't happy about it. Because you lost and he did. 
See, now you're, you're a victim because God blessed your brother. And you don't feel like he blessed you. Why? I go through this. Why am I here again, Lord? See, you're just staring at a gravestone. Come on. Come on. Come on. Why don't I have a husband yet? Give me the hand. Let me tell you something. I don't know, but I know the glory of God's in it. And the one that's showing up better than you ever thought he would be. See, y'all didn't help me. Y'all don't have faith for her. Why didn't you help me? I said the one that's showing up is better than any of you ever thought. Right? You tell her yes. Tell her it is. You waited. Tell her. Tell her. You didn't understand it? Everybody knows he outkicked his coverage. Everybody knows he outkicked. Don't even pretend. We just writing grace over the top of Juliana and saying, I don't even understand it. I don't make no kind of sense. Where's her C&I dog? See, this is why Breno won't let no dog in his house. He's like, she can't have a dog. Every time Juliana comes over to our house, she loves Fiona. She tells Breno, I want a Fiona. And Breno's like, no, because then everybody will believe that you're actually blind and you couldn't marry me because I, you thought I looked good. <laughs> you were hiding that seeing that dog the whole time. Why? Come on. Why did God heal that marriage and not mine? I, I want to, I just want to hang out a minute. You ever watch that show, Emergency? Seth watched it. Seth participates in it. See, many times what happens on that show, Emergency, this is why I like it, right? Like they run in, a patient's in cardiac arrest. Boop, boop, boop. Everything's going off, right? And, and the line is going beep. You know, it's like that. And everybody run in there, right? And, and they run in, and you know what they do? They run right to the bed. They look at this person who's in cardiac arrest. The line is flat, and they just go, oh, well. Sorry about his luck. That's too bad. That's just too bad. Beep. What you doing for dinner tonight? No, that's not what they do. That's why I like this show. They don't, they, don't do, they rush in there. They start screaming at everybody. They start throwing out kind of words that nobody can really pronounce anyway. And, and like you're supposed to understand all these drugs and, and go here, go there, that. And somebody's over there in the corner and they got these two pads that are always, that are like it's hooked up to this ginormous, it's plugged into the wall. And somebody screams, they, they're squirting some gel on there and they're rubbing them together and they get close to them and they say, clear! And everybody lays back and puts it and boom, they shock them. And the body, no, it didn't work. Let's do it again. Boom. I'm like, I want that show. (laughs) 
people walk in my office, the first thing I want to do is start rubbing paddles together. <laughs> We're about to resurrect something here. You thought I was Pentecostal. You ain't seen nothing when a Pentecostal gets a pair of charging pads. You're going to do the glory run whether you Mennonite, Amish, Baptist. I, come here. You're like, Make you believe. You know why those patients live? Because he don't give up. He don't give up. He's not, he's not looking at a gravestone. He's not ready to put dirt on top of it. He's like, charge it and turn it up. Yeah. Hey, that, that one didn't work. Turn it up. Yeah. See, stop quitting. Turn it up. If the first one didn't work, turn it up, right? Give me some more jail. Like, come on, let's go, right? Let, let's get ready. It, it's going to happen. And all of a sudden, boom, and that flat line starts to jump. And you know what they call that? Conversion. And you know, someone shouts out instantly, instantly. They say, we have conversion. The line goes from beep to beep, 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 beep. And someone says, we have conversion. That might be praying for your spouse. That might be praying for your children for years. And all you've seen is a flat line and no response, right? That might be praying for your own stupidity. Lord, I made a mistake and my life is a flat line. And you just keep praying. You just pray. See, the devil wants you to call it done. The devil wants you to say it's over. The devil wants you to roll the stone of victimhood over the door of life. But you need to get the Holy Ghost paddles out and keep praying because it could just be one more Holy Ghost conversion. <laughs> the conversion is the process of change. It's causing something to be different than what it was, right? From sickness to health, from sorrow to joy, from anxiety, amen, and stress to peace and rest, uh, from lost to found, uh, from dead to alive. Glory to God. Somebody needs a conversion. From bound in the fire, come on to free with no smoke. From fretful to fear and fearful to faithful and courageous. From discouraged and depressed to happy and blessed. I, I, I got a whole bunch of them. See, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us. And he's been saying that we are all on the verge of conversion. We're on the verge of conversion. You're on the edge of breakthrough. You're on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up now. Don't turn away now. Don't switch the faith off now. Don't roll the stone in front of it yet. Put your shovel away and don't dig the dirt and pile it on top of something that God himself ain't done with. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It don't make any kind of sense. Why didn't Jesus just save us all a bunch of trouble? If you read this story, you see finally there's a spark that happens in Mary and Martha that was different than before. They say, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. 
This is what Jesus needs. Because victory faith is a determining factor for everything else. Jesus instructs them. Take that stone out of my sight. See, that, that's PD translation right there. I don't know. It doesn't fit into a message or the NLT or the, I don't, the NASB or whatever they are. I don't. And the, you know what they tried to do? Lord, Lord, it's too dead. Let me speak to you, everyone in this room who's too scared to try one more time. Don't you stand in front of Jesus and tell him it's too dead. Don't you do that. What authority do you have to do that? Let me talk to you. Listen, don't be scared to try one more time. See, right here, what's happening is the scenario is the same, but the heart posture is different. They're saying, okay, Lord, we got it. We believe you can do this. But to tell you the truth, we've kind of moved on. To tell you the truth, Jesus, we're not really interested in being victimized again. Oh. I love it, but Jesus jolts him back, man, like he's got his hands on the paddle of that defibrillator. He's got his hands on the paddle of that thing. He says, did I not say that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Oh my, oh my, oh my. See, when, what, what Jesus is saying is, I'm not afraid of the stink of your victimhood. Wow, that's good. <laughs> who's, who's in this room right now? Who's honest enough to say that you're glad that Jesus didn't let the stink of your victimhood stop him from touching your life? <laughs> I wish, I wish so. Preach myself happy today. He cries with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. I don't know, right? Like hand and foot and grave clothes. This guy comes bouncing out of there wondering what in the world has happened. What is going on? Why am I tied up? He's got to be the most confused person there. One minute I was just feeling bad. And the next minute, somebody done tied me all up, screaming at me, hollering my name. It was dark and a big old light just hit me. It sounds like a stone is rolling down the hill and I can't, I'm not going to hop out here. What is happening? Would you like to see this story from Lazarus' perspective? I just had a cough one minute, and the next minute I'm just standing here, people screaming at me, hopping. Why'd they tie me up like this? 
See, this is why it's difficult to stay on track reading the Bible because I got all these scenarios that just run through my head. <laughs> Jesus says, loose him. In that moment, he heard a familiar voice. Wait, I know that voice. I can't see him, but I know that voice. Jesus says, victimhood, loose him and let him go. I see, I don't know what Lazarus means to you today. It could be that relationship. It could be your hopes and dreams, your future, your desired plans. It could be your walk with God. It, you, you may feel like you're too far away and you don't even have, you don't feel his presence anymore. He, Jesus ain't nowhere to be found. The list could go on and on this morning. But I feel the spirit of the Lord say, don't say it's over. I don't believe it's over. I'm going to say it again. I don't believe it's over. I don't know who this series is for. I'm just a messenger. And I've delivered the message. And in just a few minutes, if this message has been for you, you know you need to be? Up here. You stop putting dirt on stuff that God ain't done with. I believe for some reason God wanted me to preach this series. Mainly because I believe it's prophetic. And I told you at the beginning of the year that God had told me to be more prophetic. I might not be Doug or all these other prophets in the room. It's just a different style. And there's some situations right now in this room. There's some situations right now listening. This, maybe, maybe somebody listens to this message 20 years from now. There's a situation right in front of you. And it looks hopeless. And the devil's pushing hard to get you to say it's over and roll a stone in front of it. But I hear the Lord say, if you will believe, if you'll agree with him that you're not a victim, you'll see the glory of God. You need to know that this victory that you're actually seeking is much bigger than you are. Let me write, John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead. Now, he's seeing Lazarus again. He had been dead. He's alive. So he's back there. Come on. He's back there. Whom he had raised from the dead. And they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, watch verse 9 in John chapter 12. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. But he, or whom he had raised from the dead, listen to this. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. They wanted to kill what Jesus had brought back alive. They went there not for Jesus. Not only. But they came amongst some people. Who also wanted to see Lazarus. But their intent was not just to see Lazarus. 
Hello, somebody. They they were bringing shovels and somebody had a gravestone. The one they tried before and they just, someone was hammering a new date on that. Because of that reason of him, Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. They wanted to kill what Jesus had resurrected so they could keep people a victim. Let me tell you something. God wants to do a miracle in your life. You better be careful of the people who want to kill it. They're not your friends. If they're trying to bury the promise of God, you better be careful. What's this saying? Come on up here, guys. I think God's setting the stage for something that will be indisputable and undeniable. You cannot avoid Lazarus. He can't be avoided. Everybody saw him die. Everybody saw him get raised from the dead. Everybody saw your marriage die. You know what I want to see? Everybody see your marriage live. Help me out, Wards. Help me out, Hawkins. Help me out, Wells. Joe Wells started coming to church because he wanted to play softball. Tanya wanted nothing to do with church. And she also didn't want nothing to do with him. (laughs) Done with him. Hours on the phone with this guy. I just want her to see Jesus. I just want her to experience Jesus. And she don't want anything to do with it. I can't even talk to her about it. She just gets mad at me when I talk to her about it. Yeah. Stop putting a shovel on what God's doing. Come on, brother. Let's believe. We pray. We just went through it. Oh, oh, oh. And I remember the first Sunday she walked in here and I was like, hmm. Can't deny her. There she is. Now she won't leave. Now she's dragging his tail to church. Get out of bed. Let's go. What's stuff to do? Many came to see Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus, the miracle worker. Lazarus, the miracle man. Four days dead. And they left believing. I don't believe it's over. See, I, I just rather pick my own hill to die on. And you can't tell me which hill to die on. I'm going to pick my own hill. And you know what? There's been plenty. You have heard a story lately in the last four weeks. There's been plenty of reasons. I'm just trying to be like you. I'm not trying to be special. My wife's not trying to be. There's been plenty of reasons that anybody in this room could justify Don and Lisa to give up on each other, give up on, on God. And none of that fair. None of that fair. If you're just here and you haven't heard it, you've got to go back and listen to it. None of that fair. But I didn't believe it was over. Let me tell you what I said to her. She's packing her bag, leaving me, and I'm like, you better pack mine because I'm going with you. I better pack. I'm going with you. Can I say it, Cassie? 
Can I say it? Y'all told the story. I can say it. You already told the church. Y'all told. Cassie on the phone with me one day. She said, I'm so mad at Josh. so mad at him she said I don't even want him here but I don't want him nowhere else either she said can I make him sleep in the basement I said yes I called Joshua Iron and I said God's not done brother right off the phone I said God's not done brother how, how many years ago was that 10 years ago. I said, God's not done, brother. And here's what you're going to do. Sleep in the basement. And I mean tonight. And be glad about it. And he said, I never loved that basement so much and I love it right now. Because he said to me, I believe also it ain't over. Hey, sister, you're a victor in motion. Hey, brother, you're a victor in motion. Hey, sick person, you're a victor in motion. Hey, divorcee, you're a victor in motion. That happened to you. I'm sorry. But don't help the devil out. Come on. God's not done. God redeems things. He redeems you. Come on. That church hurt person? Come on. God's not done. You're a victor in motion. I don't believe it's over. Psalms 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us. And we are glad. I believe God's going to do something in our lives that's so unbelievably magnificent that we're going to say, we're just going to turn to somebody and go, can you just pinch me? You know, sometimes we pray prayers and we, we pray them because that's the right thing to pray. And, and we're, like, we're, we're like Martha and Mary. We, even though we pray them, we don't, we, don't, we don't really believe that God will answer them, but we, we pray them. We pray them. Come on. We pray them. And then when God answered them, we're, we're awestruck. We're like, wait, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Could this really be? No, it couldn't be. Isn't that what you prayed for? Yeah. yeah. Well, why are we so? No, I can't believe it's happening. But didn't you pray for it? Yeah, I did. I, I prayed for it. I, is it happening just like you prayed for it? Yeah, this is what God is doing. I, but I, I can't believe it. I can't wrap my mind around it. Right? It's, it's difficult to trust. In this moment, what I'm seeing is a miracle, and, and I, it's a miracle I want, but it's difficult to trust. 
tell you what you need to do. Abandon yourself to the life giver instead of the graveyard. Ah! Somebody help me! It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. It can't be happening. And you know what? God shows up and he just smiles and says, I told you it went over. Why? Because there's still some glory to get. (laughs) I've seen it in my wife's life. And you know her. She she ain't going to butter your roll. I promise you. I promise you. And some of y'all are scared for that reason. But see, here's the reason. You need to stop wanting buttered rolls. Just makes you fat. You need some prophetic low carb. I can't believe it's not butter. That's what you need. Don't be scared of her. Don't be scared of her. She's got victory to share with you. Some of you ladies need to listen. Some of you men need to listen. She's not going to put up with you putting a gravestone where God has spoke life. She's a living testimony. And she's a gift to my life. And the faith that I have is because of her. I've watched with my own eyes something happen that should not happen. It has happened. And I want to prophesy this morning. You are next. Glory. Come on. Stand with me in this house. You next. You next. You next. I don't believe it's over. You're not a victim. You're a victor. What happened to you happened to you. It was not for your destruction. And Jesus didn't delay because he doesn't love you. He delayed because he's interested in the faith in your heart. Being placed in him and not being buried behind a stone somebody else put there. You're not a victim. And so, listen, this is for you. This is for you. And maybe you got more important things to do right now. It's okay. But some of you don't. And I want to give you a moment at this altar. I want to give you a moment at this altar. You done endured four weeks of my ranting. You might as well endure 15 more minutes. We're going to sing this song. I requested, I don't ever do this. The worship team learned this song before this series started. I felt it was a prophetic song for us for these four weeks because I felt some of you need to do it some of you need to speak victory so this altar is open it's open if you want to worship where you're at worship where you're at you want to pray with each other right where you're at just pray with each other right where you're at nobody in here judge you every one of us has stood in a cemetery before come on somebody Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church.
Come on, church, this is our song. God gave us this song. Over every life, over this is your song. Every family, I speak Come on, resurrect something here. Over every situation, over every nation, every enemy Come on. Every stronghold is brought down. I speak victory. I speak victory. We bring it. We bring on every sun. There's some chronicles you gotta speak it. Don't leave them in that cemetery. Don't leave them. I speak victory. I speak victory. There is victory in your name. We find victory in your name, Jesus. I speak, I speak victory over every life, over every life, over every family, over every family. I speak, I speak victory over every situation. Oh, God. 
I got one more thing I want to do. I'm going to let you go, I promise. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this message. Our prayer, God, is that you use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Use it for your glory. Use it for your glory. Use it for your glory. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and I want you to hear my heart. This woman has allowed me to share details that most of you would keep secret. And I'll be honest, there are more details that they don't belong to you. Not your business. But if you ever wonder why Dawn won't quit, now you know. God gave me her. Let me say this to you. He 
also gave her to you. And if you abuse this story, and I hear about it, I ain't Pastor Don no more. I'm Lisa's husband. And those are two different people. take and steward a story that someone was so willing to let us. She know, She says, I don't want the spotlight. She didn't know, I, know I was going to do this. There's, there's a gift among us called victory. And see, her story is not the only one in this building. Yours is just as powerful. Be a victor. Amen. Father, we celebrate your goodness. We give you glory.